Welcome, Pirate fans, to the third week of the Rob Woodward Show. Coach, before we start, I'd like to discuss pregame rituals. Coach, when I was a senior, I wore the exact same shirt and the exact same shorts each and every game until the last game of the season. I switched it up, and we lost, and I've blamed those clothes ever since. And I was wanting to see if you had any pregame rituals that you have or know of, of a coach, maybe a former player, former teammate. Well, uh, Gene, when I played in college, uh, I started with a uh, – we had pregame breakfast. that We, we played at 1 o'clock on Saturdays, and I had a pregame breakfast to where every, every week I, we had a little waffle maker that had the four square waffles, and I'd have to make just three of them because four would make me uh, – uh, would, would be too much, and I'd always have to have a certain amount of, of this or that on my plate, and I kind of always monitored that, I guess, as a pregame meal. Uh, when I was a high school player, my parents always made sure that uh, I had a big plate of spaghetti, ate spaghetti every Thursday night, which is much like our players do today. Uh, I flash back to Tony Lewis at, when I was assistant for five years under Tony. He had a, a blizzard, a certain blizzard, every Thursday night, I believe it was. And if that blizzard, if they didn't have, I remember one week they had the wrong kind of blizzard. Uh, whatever kind it was he had, they were out of it. And, buddy, he was he was all tore up. So, uh when I took the head coaching job, I, I decided then and there that uh, I was going to was going to take out the superstition for myself because it, it seemed that uh, if I forgot whatever my ritual was or forgot something that I was more worried about the the superstitious aspect of it than I was what needed to get done that night. So since I've been a head coach, I've stayed out of it. But I do think it's good for for individuals to get a, a routine that they abide by and uh, make sure that they they find a proper way to prepare themselves. For uh, for each week. Well, whatever the boys did Friday night against Portsmouth, it worked. A total, complete domination of Portsmouth. 43-13 was the score. Talk about uh, what you guys did right and if there was anything you guys didn't like. But it seemed like it was a pretty good game all around. Yeah, you know, uh, I was just pleased with us putting together a total defensive performance, offensive performance, special teams performance. Aside from two plays on special teams, of course, there was a kickoff return and a punt return that we gave up way too many yards on. And uh, so we, again, worked to rectify that. But at the same time, we were able to gain some opportunities on special teams that put us in some great field position. Um, our kids pinned their ears back and were ready to play. They had a great week of practice last week, and it showed on that Friday night. Uh, you know, it showed with that victory that we had. And uh, you know, we, as we move into this week, that's what we've been talking about. If you prepare more than your opponent, or better than your opponent, mentally and physically, then, then those kind of things can happen. I noticed you guys were uh, a lot of game tackling was going on at Portsmouth, something that we really didn't see the first two games. I've seen a lot of people attacking the football on defense. But what, what did you guys do to try to get them guys to, to do more of that? You know, um, I, w- I wouldn't say that we really did anything uh, different throughout the week. Matter of fact, we probably did more tackling and hitting drills uh, week one and week two than we did um, the Portsmouth week. So I don't know if everybody's uh, starting to get in a situation where they got their legs back a little better maybe. Um, but uh, you're right, there was, there was great great pursuit to the ball. Um, and, and possibly we could talk about recognition of plays. You know, We go through such a mental um, repetition of, of what they should recognize on each and every given play. And when, you, when you're confident, you know what you're supposed to do, hey, everything seems to go a lot faster, and you're able to play a lot faster. So that's what we try to work each week is how simple can we make it but yet ensure that they have drilled in their mind what, what they could possibly face on any given play. 
Well, on to week four, and you face a Fairland team that apparently looks to have a pretty decent ball club. They lost to Tulsa last week uh, by a touchdown, I believe it is. What have you guys saw in Fairland that might present some problems? Uh, Fairland, going back the last two years, they've been an extremely physical team that will, that will hit you. And, I mean, two years ago when we went up there the first time, uh, they about took, they took one of our players out with a concussion and, and almost two others. Uh, on crossing on the kickoff and and uh, making uh, just just hits uh, out out away from the plays that we weren't quite uh, ready for, I guess. So uh, we coached the guys up well last year, but they were still very physical last year, and we're trying to get them aware of that this year that they will be a physical team. They've got two players that can score at any given time: uh, Tyree Caesar, uh, number 22, is a senior form fullback and does a tremendous job in the backfield, runs hard. Um, he can, he can pose some problems at times. And then they've got a little number 45 who's a sophomore, uh, Nathan Chapman, who is one of the fastest, quickest players that I've seen in a long time uh, as for, for being as young as he is. Um, and then they're big up front. They, they've got uh, size up there, 6'5", 315 is number 75. Number uh, 72 is about 6'3", 280. And then they've got a number uh, 73 that's uh, there, 6-plus and 250-plus and – um, a couple other guys that are in that range. So they've got some size and they've got some speed. So, um, you know, we have got to make sure that we bottle up and recognize where those two athletes are, 22 and 45, at any given time on the field. What about offensively? What are you going to do to attack the Fairland Dragons? Offensively, we're just going to try to uh, try to run our game plan. Um, you know, <clears throat> we, we left out a few plays in our, uh, our preparation of the week last week and then uh, went back to them there at halftime of the game and, and it uh, was a great adjustment for us. So, you know, we talked about how we need to make sure we maintain and, and remember as a coaching staff our options and, and the different things that we have. You know, you really you look at three weeks of the Pirates. We, we uh, um, dominated on the short passing game and run game week one. Uh, week two was more of a uh, just run game dominating the field. <clears throat> it was uh, uh, the passing game was more the rollout uh, uh, stuff where we were able to get the ball to Tyler Claxon and, and kind of some flood pass series and, and different things. Uh, then Portsmouth, you know, we're 10 of 11 with five touchdown passes, so uh, it was more of a vertical downfield passing game. Um, so we've been able to do a good job mixing in the run with that, and uh, so we've taken some chances. So, you know, if I'm the Fairland Dragons, I'm, I'm thinking how do I stop all three, the short passing game, the deep passing game, the run game, you know, so that's, we've got to keep them on their toes, and we've got to recognize what are they taking away from us, and then what can that then allow us to – we need to take what they're giving us. And uh, we've, we communicate that to our players, and we've got to ensure that they're doing that and that we are as, as a coaching staff as well. I noticed Aaron Kogel got a few more touches in the Portsmouth game. He's kind of a different, different player compared to Austin Gifford that starts. Um, is that, are you guys going to try to do some more of that stuff? Um, you know, Austin does a, a great job of just powering that ball up in there and, and being real sound and solid. And he had a big big run there in the Ironton game. And, and he's more of that consistent, you know, going to get more touches during the game because he fits our style of offense. But uh, Aaron can step in there and has stepped in there uh, with some of the different plays that we have been able to add and, and utilize. And he, he gives us a little bit of a little quicker heat, you know, he, 40 times he's the fastest player on our team. And uh, so we're, we're looking to utilize him as much as we can. And, and uh, he's, he's stepping up and, and having a nice senior year. 
Well, we're going to move on to the birdfan.com question of the week, which is um, it talks about non-conference scheduling. When you guys sit down to schedule a non-conference game, what factors do you consider? Do you consider playoff points, proximity, rivalry, strength of opponent? Uh, Coach Caskey alluded to style of play might be something you might want to factor in. Is that something that you guys factor at all or are you just glad to get somebody in the schedule? <laughs> I'll be honest with you. You know, the schedules are made up usually two years in advance at least. And then you have a, uh, uh, an open week that falls in there. So you're always keeping your eyes open. I, I'm keeping my eyes open. I know Mr. Porter's keeping his eyes open of who posts uh, for an open, open date during that year, during that time. Uh, for me, you know, I feel that uh, we want to play teams in the area. And, and we want to play teams in the area that will bring a crowd, you know. I don't want to, as a coach, I don't want to load my team up and drive two and a half hours to Columbus. Um, you know, we've had some teams come down here uh, a distance and travel. You know, I like playing at home, but uh, you can't always bank on, on that being a, So you want, you want a, a game. So for me, you know, it's an opponent that's going to get wins for us, uh, a, obviously someone that, that we're going to be able to compete with. And for us to be the best team in the area, you know, we've got to be able to compete with the tough, tough teams in the area. You know, at no time do I want to load our schedule with uh, something that's just going to beat and wear our kids down. But uh, I want to keep it challenging. I want to keep it to where it, it keeps us on our toes as a coaching staff and as a, as a team. Um, you know, I, I know we're sitting right now with a, a open week two date, uh, 2014, I think. So, uh, you know, we, we've got Cold Grove scheduled there now this year and next year. It's a two-year contract, so we'll be looking at, you know, right now I'm looking at who I want to – uh, fill in that role um, for that week two date, but you know, keeping keeping those non-conference schedules as challenging as we can, yet something that again is not going to uh, be something that 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 we obviously you know lose players, um, keep morale up, you know, and uh, so all those kind of factors, I guess, are what really coming to play for me is that proximity of play, how far we got to go, how far the travel is going to be, and, and what kind of uh, schedule what type of uh, opponent that, that it is that we face in there. So, well, you coach, you, uh, we're going to wrap it up here, but before we do, um, we've heard some good things about Joey Reinhardt and where he's yeah. at college. Just give us an update of what he's doing. Uh, Joey Reinhardt and Chase Workman are both at Ohio Wesleyan University, and uh, Joey just informed me that uh, this past week's game, they, they won 32-29 against Denison. You know, uh, Ohio Wesleyan, that's my alma mater. And uh, I remember some of those big rivalry games we had with Denison. That was a team that uh, uh, we, always, we always had a great, great game with. But uh, uh, Joey, in talking to him, told me that he felt that it was one of the most complete best games that he's ever been able to put together. He's moved. Joey was a tackle force in 2010, and uh, he's been moved to center at Ohio Wesleyan. He graded out at a 90% and uh, was a selected offensive player of the game. So big congratulations to him and that respect uh, Chase Workman. He's uh, been moved down to the defensive line, and, and while both individuals are so sophomore status on the team, uh, you know, they're, they're looking at working to improve themselves and, and looking to gain an opportunity uh, to get in there. Joey, uh, of course, is starting now. Chase is, is continuing to work and, and hope for that opportunity to come. Uh, you know, we have Mark O'Brien that's at Wittenberg University. Uh, we have uh, Alex Shears that's at Ohio Dominican. And, uh, you know, it's great to see our guys get out and, and compete at, uh, at, at the next level.
uh, whatever level it is. If it's Division Three, Division Two, II, Division One, AA, Division One, you know, all of them are, are a faster, tougher game that it takes a lot to be able to endure and, and last in there. So, uh, big congratulations to to Joey on his accomplishment this week. And I'm, I can imagine as a coach, you go from coaching the kids to becoming a fan of the kids. And- Absolutely. And that's got to be that's got to be exciting to follow. Absolutely, I, you know, I I I've tried to contact all those guys as the season was kicking off, and just send them a word of encouragement and and tell, tell them how proud I am uh, uh, to see them work. Because I've been there, I know I know how that is at, at those levels, and uh, you know you got to have a love of the game to get in there. And, and if you if you if you're competing at that level, you've got that love of the game, and and you know that's near and dear to my heart in terms of you know I've got that kind of love for the game, and that's what's driven me into coaching. So. So uh, I, I think it'll be great for those guys if if they can. Uh, and uh, well, it. let's let's wrap it up with the uh, Penn Station players of the game. Um, our offensive player of the game, we chose Dylan Miller, the your ex receiver. We had he had three receiving catches for seventy nine yards, one big one for sixty six, ended up with two touchdowns, and then we chose Ross Files as our defensive player of the game with six and a half total tackles, and he had three for loss. Uh, Dylan Miller, what a great job last week. And, you know, Dylan week one had a number of catches that were just, you know, grinded out yards. Basically, it was just an outside run play. He's catching that ball out there and gaining three and four yards for us. And uh, comes back the next week, doesn't, you know, I think he got two catches the next week and wasn't as big a factor. But Dylan's sound on defense for us and a quarterback of the defense back there. But I'll tell you what, that Portsmouth game, when he caught that pass and turned and lowered his head, that's the first time I've really seen him lower the boom on somebody and get in that end zone. And, and uh, that makes me feel good as a coach to see him see him doing that. And I thought that was a big confidence booster for him in that respect. Uh, you know, and then uh, we, we like to, to tease him a little bit about the speed on the outside out there. But he was able to, to get behind the corner and, and kind of high-step it down. And, the, and kept going. I mean, yeah. High-step it into the end zone there. So, you know, just hats off to him. A great job. Uh, Ross Piles, you know, uh, he uh, has gotten better and better each week for us. It kind of bounced him around at some pitch positions there in the offseason early on, uh, trying to look at uh, some different personnel that we had and trying to find the best group of 11 that we could put out there on the field. And uh, He's moved into that defensive end position. It's a position that he's played and, and been a little more accustomed to. And week three, it, he really shined there. He really did a great job of listening to his position. Coach, uh, Coach Johnson uh, does a great job coaching up our defensive ends. And, and Ross uh, was able to finish with th- uh, six and a half total tackles, three of those for a loss. And, uh, you know, uh, had a couple ca- catches on offense as well. So both players are just uh, very sound on both sides of the ball for us. So uh, good to see them both recognize this past week. Ross has shown a maturity level from last year that well, that I've even noticed as a, as a fan. It's amazing that somebody else from that distance. I could imagine as a coach you could see the maturity level. Well, if, if, you, if you want to see the maturity level, just pop in a 2011 tape of basically anybody on that 2012 team, look at them in uniform, and it's great to see them filled out and, and uh, how much they've changed. And, and Ross showed us something in our, in our scout team last year that we said, hey, we, we got to look at this individual catching the football and what he can do, and, and uh, he's, he's done a great job. He has. Well, Coach, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for taking the time this week, and um, tune in this Friday as Wheelersburg goes up to Fairland. We will be on the air about 7.20. Thanks for listening.